Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I'm sitting down with Nikolai Gotti discussing Compose for Desktop. Hey, Nikolai, welcome. Uh, hi, hi there. Great to see you. Or should I say welcome back? Because you have already been on the show before, right? Yeah, but a little bit, diff- little bit different role, but, but still. <laughs> yeah. And um, you, so you actually were uh, one of the folks behind Kotlin Native, no? Yes, yes, kind of. <laughs> And, and recently you moved on to uh, another position inside JetBrains, which is uh, heading uh, Compose for Desktop, right? Uh, yes, exactly. It was uh, something uh, new, cool, and shiny. So why not? Yeah, something cool, new, and shiny. Why not? That's like the story of every developer's life. Oh, look, new, shiny. Let me move to that. <laughs> so talking about moving to the new, shiny, <clears throat> what happened to the... Um, Kotlin native memory mod. I'm joking. I'm not going to ask you about Kotlin native memory. <laughs> well, I, I think I can absolutely like uh, frankly answer that it's now not my problem. So <laughs> That's <I'm> nice. Absolutely- <laughs> <laughs> not my problem, man. Move on. <laughs> yeah. No, it's everyone else's problem now, not yours. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's what they call <laughs> influence. <laughs> if you make your problems, <laughs> everyone has problems. But I guess, uh, like <laughs> jokes aside, I guess uh, there was some some progress in like uh, in providing more co- uh, like comfy uh, memory model for uh, for Kotlin native developers, and uh, I, uh, I think it's 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 a work in progress. Uh, mm, not sure what is the ATA or anything, but I guess uh, we're moving in that direction. Yeah, um, but I I also like your definition of influencer. It's it's kind of like you should actually, you know, eventually you should move into developer advocacy, right? Like make your problem everyone else's problems. It's like you're really good at that. <laughs> anyway, um, we're not here to talk about Kotlin native memory model. Uh, we're here to talk about something really exciting, which is desktop. Uh, or compose for desktop, right? So now if folks aren't familiar about, uh, I think it was like a couple of years ago that uh, Google launched um, Jetpack Compose, right? Mm -hmm. Which is this new way of doing uh, UI development on Android, which takes advantage of the Kotlin compiler's uh, plugin model, and uh, takes inspiration from React and uh, Flutter and, and similar frameworks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. we, we actually had a show with um, Leland, uh, who's one of the folks behind it. Um, so that's Jetpack Compose, which is for Android. And uh, you've decided to do Compose for desktop, right? So t- tell us why. Like, begin with the why. Well. Why? Of course. And actually, uh, like even before why it's for desktop, actually, I could even answer a question why uh, why Compose? I mean, uh, usually there are like uh, many UI frameworks in the world uh, and uh, in general, like uh, I I personally mostly work on the like low-level system software. And so uh, maybe I could answer why I was uh, interested in uh, looking at that particular UI framework and why I believe that it's actually not a, not a UI framework. But uh, more like uh, like a programming language on its own. It's just a little bit uh, different backend, let's say, <laughs> more graphical backend than your typical compiler backend. 
So, mm. so Compose is actually pretty uh, exciting technology uh, um, because it's not a UI framework. Well, it sells itself as a UI framework, but actually it's way more. It's, uh, mm, it's an approach to think about uh, like computation and, and uh, incremental computation and a way to connect uh, the state of a program to representation of the program. So, uh, and make make this uh, like this mapping, this tr uh, this translation uh, very uh, very straightforward. And uh, and in a sense, that's what every programmer does. Uh, uh, they somehow visualize the the, the data. Like uh, they do they do data transformation and. Uh, and what very important part of, of data transformation is uh, is to, to transform data into some perceivable state, which, which is what, what what people usually call UI. And um, I guess uh, here uh, you face a lot of interesting uh, like uh, fundamental computing science pro problem, being like uh, you need to be both uh, um, uh, incremental in you know, transformation. So if you change something little, and that's a typical situation, if data just change a little. And uh, you get uh, relatively small uh, update in in output. So that's uh, and and that like that transformation need to uh, need need to go through the whole computation uh, happening in your program. So that's mm, uh, uh, that the general story about uh, in incrementality in uh, in Compose, for example. And uh, and it takes rather radical approach. It's implemented as uh, Probably is the most complex uh, Kotlin compiler plugin uh, uh, in existence at the, at the moment. So that's uh, that's really non-trivial Kotlin compiler plugin, and it wasn't uh, even working on the uh, on the mainstream uh, Kotlin compiler for uh, until 1.40 release. Uh, before that, it, it, it required uh, its own version of Kotlin compiler. Yeah, because it was using the new uh, infrastructure for the uh, compiler plugin, right? P plugins uh, for compiler. Yes, right? but not only that. It's also because it pushed uh, the uh, requirements to extremes. So it's it's not only like IR transformation. It was also like introducing new signatures, and uh, it was all required to to essentially uh, represent relatively complex uh, computations on trees, uh, which is uh, like a typical UI, for example, uh, in uh, in a very uh, transparent for, for the programmer way. And that's uh, like, especially once you, once you try to program in Compose a bit, uh, you find it's very, uh, very amazing how, how easy it is to translate uh, uh, to translate the state uh, uh, state to representation, especially if you used uh, some other UI framework in the past. Yeah. So I was lucky or unlucky enough to uh, to work at Sun in late uh, late 90s. Uh, so uh, I saw how Swing and AWT appeared, and it was they have a reputation, uh, and a very well deserved reputation of something where it's it's very hard to to write something. Uh, uh, eye candy and uh, <laughs> and meaningful in those uh, frameworks. Yeah, I mean, when That's... when we ask uh, why why compose for desktop, you could have just simply said, well, because Swing and AWT, no? <laughs> well, yes, but uh, I mean, for me, it's a little bit personal because I, I'm a, like I still feel myself a little bit of a JavaScript uh, <laughs> like alumni. <laughs> so so I, I still think that we need to fix that problem. Like uh, we we made it long time ago, and uh, we need to. So that to that that problem is still your problem. No, you haven't left that one for yes. someone else. No. 
<laughs> yes, yes. Sometimes I, I get, I get. You bring your problems <laughs> with you. I feel like guilty and and return <laughs> and try to fix problems. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and actually, uh, like uh, that's. Um, I, I mean, it it was not really trivial to come come into to this uh, like to architecture like that in in nineties, uh, and but I think now people and the technologies are. Uh, very very much ready for uh, for, for this uh, for this new uh, new approach to UI. So uh, so that's why compose in general. So why, that's why it's uh, it, it's interesting and uh, as, as a technology. Okay, so and let's let's stop there for a second, if we can, because you know you said that this is beyond just a UI. It's it's about having to. Uh, finding a way to more elegantly deal with incremental changes and right. Um, yes. So if we take a look at uh, any framework, such as for instance Swing. Okay, so it could be Swing or it could be, you know, back in the day when I was doing desktop development, it was Delphi, right? Um, which in essence, I guess, is similar to Swing and WinForms and all of these things. What what does Compose do differently that makes it so much simpler for you to actually uh, do this kind of development? It's uh, it's a very very good question. I guess if you think about uh, most like classical UI framework, uh, they all uh, like callbacks driven, and uh, and in a sense, I feel that what uh, Compose does uh, to UI programming is similar to what. Uh, uh, coroutines do to uh, to general uh, asynchronous program. programming. Yeah, it it transforms UI hell where you have like uh, inconceivable logic where uh, like sometimes uh, you you have a very unexpected routing of uh, of your control uh, flow into into something visually very very transparent. Like uh, it's uh, it's a complex under the hood. Uh, in a, in a sense that compiler have to do transformations, uh, state machines, and stuff. But uh, mm, uh, for for the end user, it seems uh, uh, very simple, like a business logic expressed um, uh, as, as as a person thing. And that's that's the same with composers. So let me let me let's put an example for 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 folks to to follow and and for me to follow. Let's say that in the old days you used to have a a form. And you had a bunch of visual, you had a bunch of visual controls on them, and each of these visual controls could potentially fire off an event. When you were mm -hmm. looking at that from, you know, the the perspective of trying to understand it, you basically had to follow all of these chain of events through the event handlers, through the different triggers that were being followed, to get an understanding of what was happening. And you would have to go through all of the different sections and you would have to make sure that you didn't miss any specific trigger or event being fired and keeping track of these things, right? Mm -hmm. And so kind of a little bit like you say with, with asynchronous programming, you know, things are firing off in different places and, and you lose control of the flow. And with Compose, what you're saying is that I basically have kind of like a top-down um, layout of exactly what's happening in that place, and I don't need to look anywhere else, right? It's very top down. I could just read it there. Is that more or less accurate? Yes, yes, yes. It's a very, it's a very good description, actually. We, uh, like, uh, when when you build the UI, uh, you essentially like uh, what, what you have in the compose is uh, essentially like uh, if uh, if my state uh, is. Uh, 
Like uh, if my button is is active, then it's red. Otherwise, it's green. And like it's that expressive exact, exactly in, in that kind of logic. And and in case of uh, uh, in, in case of uh, uh, common declarative UI framework, it would be like pretty uh, convoluted in the sense that you have to install a callback on act when when my uh, uh, like button becomes active. Uh, set call it to green and uh, like uh, uh, and otherwise set it to red and so on so like uh, so, so essentially it's a trans inverted uh, control flow uh, comparing to like um, because uh, naturally event driven programming is is inverted uh, like uh, compared to traditional uh, like direct uh, top down control flow and uh, and moreover this allows actually pretty uh, uh, pretty fast UIs because uh, because because when you have a very clear declaration how to uh, like your state is related to your UI when you rebuild the uh, you update the state you only you know which part of UI have to be rebuilt and in case of uh, uh, more complex uh, like more traditional frameworks uh, this part of uh, um, you. you Frequently don't know, so you have to relay out everything, redraw everything, and uh, like um, it's uh, so 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 it's it's slower. Right. Okay. So that. So you had a debt to go back to um, because of Swing and AWT, and you decided to jump on board and and move forward with this compose, right? Uh, so how does this actually? I mean. We've already spoken about, you know, that it uses uh, the compiler plugin and and it's same principle as as Jetpack Compose. Is it? Ac it's actually I assume it's using Jetpack Compose under the covers, right? Oh, uh, it's more. It's way more than that. It's uh, actually integral part of uh, of a Jet Jetpack Compose. So uh, uh, we uh, cooperate with Google. Uh, we tr uh, we send we send them uh, changes. Uh, and uh, oh, mm, we we help them to rework core of uh, of Jetpack Compose uh, to actually became um, a Kotlin multi-platform solution. So it's like it's it's a it's a full a fully Kotlin multi-platform. So uh, so Kotlin uh, mm, Kotlin provides this uh, this technology for like uh, what, what we call multi-platform development, such uh, uh, compilation to different. Uh, uh, different environments uh, uh, where where you define the environment on on a, on a compile time and, uh, and and decide which code is common, which 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 one is not. And this is exactly the technology we apply to uh, to Jetpack Compose. And uh, and so now uh, uh, we take pretty much the same code base, exactly the same code base to, uh, at the moment, I guess. Uh, when we built uh, Jetpack uh, Jetpack Compose for desktop. Mm, just compile it for desktop uh, and publish the artifacts. And we also publish common artifacts. We also publish uh, Android artifacts for uh, for the sake of completeness. Uh, and uh, as a result, uh, one could uh, program applications for uh, jet, uh, uh, using Jetpack Compose uh, uh, for both Android and desktop. That's, With the same uh, code base, like you. you yes. Right. Yes. So when I look at the example, like in the in the blog post of the Milestone One release, you know the first example, the th first thing that stands out for me is import Android X dot compose dot desktop dot window. Okay, 
So obviously, you know, you're kind of like, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Am I doing a desktop app or an Android app? Uh, is that part of the thing that you're working on with Google to try and, because obviously Jetpack Compose is focused heavily on Android, right? They created it for Android. Now we're helping bring this to desktop. Is part of the plan to kind of abstract everything that uh, is, you know, not target platform specific, which would also mm -hmm. mean that you would get rid of things like Android X in the namespaces or the package mm -hmm. names? Well, uh, Heidi, you touched uh, one of the two most complex programs in the computer science. It's well known that computer science has only two hard problems. One is naming, another is caching. Yeah. And you, you touched the first one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so of, course, of course, there is no simple answer. And uh, if, if we talk about like engineering part of that, this separation already done. So that's, I guess, what I was doing uh, uh, first half a year of working on this project. Uh, uh, essentially, essentially separating uh, Compose into into common logic and uh, to um, to Android logic. And uh, uh, this uh, so this part is done like on the on the code level. However, the naming is uh, is is indeed very complex. Uh, non-technical story yes i can imagine and, and and so at the moment uh naming uh naming is uh hard like 100x yeah yes. and it's hard yeah <laughs> yeah and it's hard yeah okay so. but but to practical effects if someone is writing a desktop application it doesn't really matter that it's called android x this is going to work like it's going to render out the yeah. components on desktop right which brings me to my next question so you've got jetpack compose uh now, when I'm targeting Android, there are, you know, UI elements on Android that are rendering the, the object at the end of the day, right? What about Jetpack Compose? What is Jetpack Compose using to actually render the visual elements? Uh, sorry, Jetpack Compose for desktop. Compose for, for desktop. desktop. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's important uh, question. And uh, uh, like in most modern systems, the rendering is actually layered and uh, moreover, as we aim into um, providing uh, good interoperability with existing Swing and AWT applications, or we have to render in a way compatible with uh, uh, with with the way how a Swing and AWT renders. Uh, we also have to be fast to, to render like uh, in, uh, to render, render it quickly. Mm. Uh, so, uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess I guess to uh, um, to answer your question simply, uh, the, uh, the answer is we use a Skia rendering library uh, and uh, Java bindings to, to that uh, Skia rendering uh, library. Uh, but actually, Skia itself uses uh, OpenGL hardware accelerated rendering, which which is for folks that don't know what Skia is. Can you just say what Skia is? Yeah, Skia is a library. Yeah. Skia, Skia is a library. I think Skia is a shadow in Greek, as far as far as I understand. Uh, and it's a library, graphical library, uh, 2D graphical library with a very long history. I think it's about like 15 or 20 years old now. And uh, that's uh, that's library uh, uh, which uh, which now used as a rendering engine in Chrome, Flutter, and uh, a few other Google and not only Google, I think, product, and currently it's maintained by Google. So it's a, it's a high quality, very exhaustive uh, 2D library. It, uh, 
it not only includes uh, like graphical primitives, like rectangles, uh, um, lines, uh, but also more com complex things like uh, um, like text rendering, uh, including paragraph rendering, uh, because it's actually a very com com complex problem. And uh, one of the reasons why uh, it's not so easy to create a new graphical framework, because uh, mm, to render text, especially if it's a complex text with emojis and stuff, uh, you have to uh, you have to do a lot, uh, quite a lot of stuff. So, mm, so what we do with it? Is it directly using Skia, or you're going through Swing slash AWT? Uh, I don't uh, say that we use uh, Swing. We, we more like integrate with it. So practically speaking, uh, uh, there is a uh, like native library called uh, JAWT, which is which is a way for native programs to integrate with AWT programs, and so we use them and. Uh, Essentially, obtain the obtain the native context for rendering, and then draw uh, into that native uh, context uh, mm, uh, using uh, skia calls. So, so in a sense, we draw directly, but uh, uh, the place where we draw is uh, connected to uh, AWT or Swing window. Okay, and you offer that in the sense of being able to interrupt, right? In in the same yes. philosophy that that we have with everything else, Kotlin, right? To to be able yes. to interrupt with existing things. But I don't Correct. necessarily yes. then need to use Swing or AWT if I don't want to. Like, oh, I'm, sure, sure. Okay. Sure, we we try to like uh, hide it, uh, but uh, um, provide uh, provide fallback mechanisms. So if, if you really need the particular uh, like uh, uh, API, which is not available in Compose for desktop, because we, uh, UI framework is, is usually a very rich thing. And if, if something is missing, then uh, you could always fall back to Swing and, uh, and AWT. For example, uh, we don't support at the moment uh, uh, support for system drag and drop. So you, you couldn't drag and drop uh, using Compose for desktop, but you could, uh, you could support uh, drag and drop using, uh, uh, using AWT. Right. Uh, and it uh, work. Now, now, talking about this API, how do you keep that in sync with what's available on on Jetpack Compose for Android? Uh, exactly because we keep the same code base. Okay. So, uh, so development happens in uh, in Android uh, X code base. Uh, we send our modification there. Uh, people at Google review it uh, and and integrate them. So, uh, so as a result, we get uh, we get the same uh, the same code base, and so we we just. Uh, uh, automatically get uh, like new refactorings, new features, and so on. What platforms is Ski available for? Because I mean, on the website it says it serves as the graphics engine for Google Chrome OS, Android, Flutter, Mozilla, Firefox, Firefox OS, all of these. So you can basically write a, an application that uses Skia and compile that natively to a specific platform, I assume, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, we also have to compile uh, Skia natively. So it means that uh, uh, although uh, Jetpack Compose for Desktop is uh, is pure JVM uh, at the moment, it's compiled to the bytecode. But uh, actually, to run it, uh, we need to have uh, a port of uh, of a Skia library for for the particular uh, uh, architecture. Right. And this brings me to the question I wanted to ask. And, and it's very good that you mentioned that Compose for Desktop targets the JVM currently. Uh, but the question is why? Like, why, if, 
if on top of everything, you know, one of the biggest hurdles is to have a native graphics library, why are you targeting the JVM? And what is the next step? Would the next step be just natively compiling for each platform? Uh, it's definitely possible. However, it uh, has uh, its own uh, issues. First of all, uh, Android is a JVM platform as well. So it has the same uh, same memory uh, memory model and uh, uh, Compose is Eastern current uh, application. So it means uh, uh, we have to, um, uh, if we want to, to trans uh, translate into the current uh, uh, hotly native memory model, we uh, we have to do even more major refactoring that uh, compared to uh, uh, compared to what we had already. So, uh, but uh, it doesn't mean that we we're not looking in a native direction. We right. just believe that uh, that the JVM uh, JVM direction is first very well aligned with uh, uh, with. JetBrains' own needs uh, for uh, of, for desktop programming because most of our offerings are, are JVM based, so space is JVM based. Uh, uh, our IDs uh, are JVM based, so so for us it was important to provide a solution which is suitable for us. Right, but so essentially though that um, memory management is going to come back to bite you at some point. Hey, 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 the problem you gave everyone else at some point will become your problem again. <laughs> cool. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Um, so, but, but to, to summarize, uh, like native is potentially on the roadmap at some distant future, right? Well, uh, maybe not so distant, uh, I think, uh, like, uh, but uh, in, in the future, we, we're thinking about, uh, about doing that. Uh, uh, and we're also thinking about, uh, about web because um, that's, that's another platform where people are uh, looking for uh, nice reactive UI and uh, generally ability to co compile um, pretty much the same code for both uh, uh, web platforms and uh, uh, desktop and, and mobile uh, is, is one of the very important attractions of uh, uh, Otherwise, maybe not so su superior solutions like Electron. And talking about mobile, what about iOS? Because right now, this doesn't exist for iOS, does it? Uh, it doesn't exist for iOS, but uh, once once we'll be able to uh, uh, to provide uh, essentially scare uh, bindings and and port uh, composed to Kotlin native, we can compile it for iOS. Yes. Right. And you've recently, I mean, last week you released uh, Milestone Two, and, and Milestone Two already comes with a Project Wizard in IntelliJ IDEA, so people can easily get started with creating a a desktop application. And on the entry, I see that you have, you know, Jetpack composed for desktop, and you got desktop, and you got multi-platform. Uh, so what would the multi-platform option enable you to do? Actually create a desktop and a mobile application at this point? Uh, yes, exactly. But let's say mobile uh, Android-only application. So at the, at the moment, uh, uh, we... Uh, we believe that uh, Kotlin multi-platform is is a generally very powerful technology uh, uh, for uh, uh, for general purpose programming and and in particular for uh, for UI programming because the the very typical scenario is uh, where your code is not exactly the same. I mean, uh, 
companies like Apple, they just trying to run uh, application unmodified on uh, on mobile devices and on a desktop. And uh, we believe that uh, this approach may be, uh, it may work, but it may be a little bit uh, inferior in a sense that uh, uh, you have different, you have to write different programs, let's say. Like when, when you have a mouse, when you have a big, uh, uh, big monitor, keyboard, uh, uh, you you want to provide a different experience compared to mm, to what you have uh, uh, on a phone, and uh, and for that you need uh, to have a uh, supporting tools, and that's what uh, our multi platform is about. You write uh, part of your application and UI, so like uh, if, if you want to say that uh, this is this is layout of my screen and it's applicable for uh, mobile uh, and for desktop, then then you put it in a, in a shared code. If you believe it's mobile only, you put it in in mobile only. So that's the, the, the idea. Okay. Now I want to go back a little bit to discuss some of the things that we were talking about earlier regarding the state management and how, uh, you know, Compose simplifies that somewhat. And we were talking about, you know, traditional UI frameworks that require this uh, um, overly complex chain of events and, and event handlers and, and you know, um, looking up all of the things that are hooked up to your controls, etc. And one of the things that folks used to do in those days to be able to create a testable solution was follow patterns such as uh, MVP or MVVM, etc. Where does Compose sit here? Is it necessary to follow these patterns, or or is it kind of like? ships out of the box for the fact that you're using this? And how does testing fall into that? Oh, you ask a very, very good questions. Uh, I think uh, the answer is uh, somewhat uh, uh, interesting. Uh, at least in my perception, uh, uh, for example, things like, like MVP is uh, mostly like a mental, mo mental model. You essentially uh, think that uh, this is uh, my model, my data, and this is my view, this is my representation. Uh, and uh, like uh, this is my P, my presenter, so, so, so someone who provides the representation. And uh, I, I guess in case of um, in case of Compose, it's, uh, it's a very clear distinction between M, M and V. And uh, I think in a sense, uh, Compose itself wor works as a P. So, uh, so, for, so, 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 this mental model matches very well on uh, on Compose, and moreover, it's written uh, like in in assumption that here's your model, here here is the, here is your view, and that's how they connect. So, that's essentially, what what the Compose code does, it, it explains how um, how model is connected to you. Right. So, but if I want to test, for example, my my logic of my UI, if I want to test, like the example that you said. You know, earlier on, here's my button, and if I click it, it becomes red. You know, mm -hmm. how would I go about testing that with something like Compose? Uh, there are a few approaches for uh, at least I can share the experience of how how we test uh, uh, our implementation. And uh, sure, as as test testing is uh, uh, like uh, probably yet another actually actual complex problem of modern software engineering because uh, because to, to write uh, to test a program you need to write more program <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> i thought you're uh, gonna say it's someone else's problem 
<laughs> so, so I guess uh, in in case in case of uh, in, in case in case of testing, uh, one of the approaches we take is a classical screenshot based testing, and it's uh, pretty pretty simple to do that in in Compose. Uh, um, because uh, it's more like integration integration testing, so that uh, you you just produce certain uh, certain picture, and uh, as as Kia has uh, um, uh, different uh, pixel uh, pixelizers or rasterizers, which uh, which uh, computes uh, the image, you can not only use uh, uh, OpenGL rasterizer, but you also could use uh, software rasterizer. So and uh, it behaves. Uh, uh the same way it doesn't depend on uh, on a particular graphical card so so it means you can uh, you can you just uh, if if your button became red then then you can just have a test which uh, uh which sends an event and check that uh, uh the image is actually red and and compare the image before and after so this is one of the one of the general approach it, uh, it's applicable to any framework it's not uh, it's not specific to compose compose uh, uh, for desktop just makes it easier because uh, because the rasterizer is uh, is standardized and uh, like so that's that's probably good mm. if you're talking uh, about other approaches it's uh, it's your typical uh, like uh, mocking and uh, and ambience uh, which uh, which kind of globals in uh, composed terminology and and they can uh, they can be replaced. So it means uh, that, for example, if you want to mock your uh, keyboard input instead of uh, your normal uh, your normal keyboard, you just can uh, uh, can mock implementation and everything else uh, like, would work as expected. So so generally, it's a um, it's a modern component library. So uh, so for testing individual components, you, you could just uh, provide mock implementations. Okay, and now let's talk a little bit about actual like shipping these applications with compose right uh because obviously this is a jvm application so you need java right uh so but i'm assuming that you can use any of the you know facilities that are available as as uh for creating packages and, and shipping these just the same way right um oh uh, yes yes and and moreover uh, uh actually mm, you could think about Java in a different way. You could think about Java as um, like execution format or as a distribution format. And uh, uh, recently, there was many ad advances in in transforming of Java as execution format into uh, into Java as a redistribution form. So uh, uh, one one of the such solution is the J package, which which essentially uh, packs. Uh, uh, implementation implementation of of a JVM and, uh, and require GDK classes and uh, application classes into uh, into bundle and this bundle can run uh, on uh, uh, on a machine of uh, of end user without any additional uh, additional job mm -hmm. so at, at the cost of certain download size but uh, but from the user standpoint it's uh, it's self-contained DMG or MSI or whatever, right? Or a Debian yeah, package, oh, etc. Right? Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, there is uh, even more recent uh, advances at Graal project. Uh, uh, namely, they supported uh, in the Graal native image. Uh, they supported AWT and Swing. Uh, so it, it meant uh, that uh, uh, 
in theory. We, we didn't test it ourselves uh, yet, but uh, in theory, uh, native uh, ground native image is also applicable to compose uh, compose application. Which was and my so next it, question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, yes. in principle, you know, if folks are saying that, you know, one of the hurdles of um, having to use the JVM is because I have to worry about my customer having the 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 you know the Java runtime and and all and all of these dependencies and installing them. That is essentially a solved problem, right? Because either they can use something like JPackage, or they can use well, I mean, in theory, use Graal and and, and it should potentially work, right? And Graal uh, also removes the you know the the slight startup time of the of the JVM as well, right? So it should be yes. essentially instant, right? Yes, but in general, general, I think at least on on the modern on the modern machine, the, the startup of uh, compose for desktop applications is uh, is pretty close uh, close to instant. Um, so you can just look at Twitter while it loads. That that one second that it's taking <laughs> to load, you can switch and look at Twitter. So okay. Um, so what's next for you? I mean, in terms of compose, like you're now at milestone two. What what's coming next? How, how many milestones before we could potentially see any form of uh, you know beta? And um, and I don't want to you know you don't have to give dates, but like what is on the roadmap? Well, uh, that's actually uh, being actually discussed uh, like right now. We uh, we're having an internal planning process uh, defining. Uh, uh, what uh, what gonna uh, how we're gonna proceed exactly? But uh, mm, like um, mm, the overall vision is the following: we mm, uh, we try to build a few more milestones. I don't know, uh, like several milestones. And uh, once we get the feeling uh, that uh, mm, we uh, we are relatively stable, and once uh, Compose uh, for Android releases as uh, as 1.0, which is uh, uh, which is also pretty close because um, because it's uh, um, it's uh, the cur currently uh, I think it's it's in bad better so that's uh, I guess um, uh, they eventually need to, to reach a more stable um, state and once they reach it uh, uh, we uh, we can uh, also probably provide. Uh, a more stable version of uh, of desktop for compose. So that's uh, that that's the plan. So so first we follow follow the Google Google's uh, path here in in a, in the sense of uh, of approach to stability stability of compose is API. And second we look at our customer customer demands and uh, user feedback to, to understand if. Uh, um, if our uh, stability of features we provide uh, is sufficient. And the feedback so far has, I think, been quite good, right? I mean, uh, or at least more than feedback, I would say the reception. I mean, you know, I'm not one to judge the success or failure of a product based on GitHub stars, uh, but a large number of people do. Uh, and, you know, like looking at your you you launched this so the first announcement of this was november last month mm -hmm. essentially right um, yeah. right now you've got 2100 stars on on github which is actually very very good 
for a recently started project that's that's essentially a month old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, yes, we we indeed uh, received a very warm uh, like uh, reaction from people. I. Um, I'm really grateful to people for that because because it uh, like it supports uh, uh, it supports us in, in understanding that we're probably doing something meaningful because one of the uh, concerns we have both uh, internally uh, uh, and heard externally was uh, oh desktop uh, AI development is dead uh, no 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 one needs it so like ev- everyone is in mobile and web uh, so, so so like yeah. no, no point in, in doing that and uh, it seems that uh, it's not actually the case there are many people who actually solve this this kind of problems and uh, so it means we can do something meaningful for them exactly the desktop development is not dead it's just that you know there's more folks doing web development than mobile development but desktop is very much alive i mean look at the stuff that apple ships every day look at all of the applications that are available for mac os look at the ones that are available for windows the fact that generally people aren't happy with existing uh, solutions and tools maybe contributes to this notion that desktop is dead, right? And, and if you bring a nice user experience in terms of development to desktop, it can very much become alive again, right? I mean, there's, there's no reason for, for saying that desktop is dead. It just doesn't make sense. But uh, Yeah, yeah. I actually agree with you. And I think it's just uh, has very... Uh, like specific user base. So people who consume the content, uh, they usually are on mobile uh, and web, but pe- people who create the content, and uh, that's, I, I guess, the audience of JetBrains as a company and uh, the audience of many, many other um, like people. And it's a very, it's very active and very, very influential uh, audience. And if, if we can reach it with, uh, with a decent uh, UI framework, I guess they will be great. Yeah, and and here's the irony of all of this, right? Every day, the web experience, in my opinion, becomes worse with the pop-ups, with the notifications, with the, do I want to block you? I don't want to block you. Can I track your location? Can I send you this? Can I send you that? On mobile, it's the same thing, right? You, you go to a website on mobile, it's the same thing. You remember the period when, uh, you know, every website decided to make their own mobile application, right? Mm-hmm. Which kind of says, okay, so then why do I have the web if now I have to download your application for your website? At this point, now the experience on the web is so horrendous at times that you're like, maybe I should download that application. And if you look at the desktop scenario, you have so many different uh, tools and utilities that take a website and make it a native application on your desktop, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I mean, even look at Electron. So I think that the days of, you know, the desktop is dead is, is they've been saying that thing for for decades. Um, well, okay, not decades, but quite a long time. And I don't think desktop is dead. Uh, so that's very cool. I'm personally, I'm very excited. I'm really, really happy that uh, you started this project. Uh, obviously, you know, you and I had talked about it very early on and, um, and I'm glad that finally we can share this with the public and, uh, you know, best of luck to, to the future and, uh, let's, um, make compose, you know, the de facto framework to go to for desktop development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- thanks. Thanks a lot for warm words. And actually my impression that, uh, if, uh, if people will 
help us by like by giving us more feedback by bringing ideas uh, uh, that that will be relatively easy because uh, because I think I think there there are like uh, core good values in both like Kotlin and Compose which uh, uh, which are generally good and if uh, we can we can properly uh, package up and prepare for like for general consumption in sense of tooling in sense in sense of uh, like performance uh, deployment strategy then I guess uh, it will be indeed a very a very powerful technology which. Uh, uh, which just just very natural for me for many people to use. Absolutely, so that's, uh, that's what we're looking for. Absolutely, cool. Well, thanks for joining, and uh, we'll chat at some point soon again. Thank, thank you, Heidi. Thanks, thank everybody. Bye, 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 bye.